بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وليس الذكر كالأنثى وقال تعالى فإن أطعنكم فلا تبغوا عليهن سبيلا صدق الله العظيم We've got many three things to discuss today Firstly, the difference in the nature of men and women. Secondly, we'll discuss about parents' rights. And thirdly, I want to quote to you a hadith from the Prophet ﷺ, and the way he used to treat children and the way he used to treat youngsters. So, the first one, as I said, the difference between the nature of men and women. And I quoted to you last time from Surah Ali Imran, which is the third surah of the Holy Qur'an. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he clearly stated down that لَيْسَ ذَكَرُكَ الْأُنْثَى That a male is not the same as a female. Though we do have equal rights, as I've quoted another ayah of the Qur'an, Surah Baqarah, verse number 228 to you. Another verse of the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala points out that there are rights of men and rights of women which we've discussed last month. So I'm not going to go through that again. And the difference between the nature of men and women, why I pick on this is because... Even in the Qur'an you find that Allah addresses men differently from women. Most of the Qur'an is for men and women, but sometimes Allah addresses women or He has a different way of addressing women. For instance, if you look in the beginning of the 28th part of the Holy Qur'an, Surah Mujadala, which is the, which is the 58th Surah of the Holy Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about a woman who was complaining about her husband who resembled her in the Prophet's time, this woman was a Sahabiya, her husband resembled her with her mother, in some part of body, body with her mother. When she came to the Prophet she complained about this, ayats were revealed. But the first thing that Allah says, I mean Allah could have started the ayah by saying that uh, this is the ruling for a man who resembles his wife with his mother, this is the ruling. But before he did any of that, the first thing which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did, he said, قَدْ سَمِعَ اللَّهُ قَوْلَ الَّتِي تُجَادِلُكَ فِي زَوْجِهَا وَتَشْتَكِي إِلَى اللَّهُ وَاللَّهُ يَسْمَعُ تَحَاوَرَكُمَا The first thing Allah said is, surely Allah has heard the quotation of that woman who comes to you with a complaint about her husband. وَتَشْتَكِي إِلَى اللَّهُ And she places a complaint to Allah. وَاللَّهُ يَسْمَعُ تَحَاوَرَكُمَا And Allah listens to both of your, to, to your dispute, meaning the husband and the wife. إِنَّ اللَّهَ سَمِيعٌ بَصِيرٌ Surely Allah is most, He is one who listens very carefully and He is all listening and Basir, He is all watching. Now if you look in this ayah, before Allah even gets to the point, Allah mentions the aspect of listening three times. Allah has heard, first says, then he says, يَسْمَعُ تَحَاوُرَكُمَا He's listening to your dispute. And the third, he says, سَمِيعٌ بَصِيرٌ He's most listening, he's all listening, and he's all watching. Why did Allah have to mention three times listening? Why? Because Allah obviously has created women, and he understands their nature. One of the things women like is to be heard. When a woman raises a complaint, majority of the time, the woman is raising the complaint, to be heard, to be understood. Men, when they complain, if you look in the Quran, Allah gets to the point straight away. Allah gets to solutions straight away. Why? Because men, when they raise the complaint, they want a solution straight away. 
They don't want to sit around talking about their problem and then come to a solution. That's not men's nature. Women like to do that. Another ayah of the Holy Quran will substantiate this uh, further. In Surah Yusuf, which is the 12th Surah of the Holy Quran, um, you had Yusuf who fled from Zulaikha and then they, they were caught by the, by, by the Lord of the house, her husband, and then after, after which he reprimanded Zulaikha, his wife, for chasing Yusuf. But if you look interestingly enough, in Surah Yusuf, the 12th Surah of the Holy Quran, verse number 30, Allah begins to say, وَقَالَ نِسْوَةٌ فِي الْمَدِينَةِ إِمْرَأَةُ الْعَزِيزِ تُرَاوِتُ فَتَاهَا عَنْ نَفْسِ قَدْ شَغَفَهَا حُبَّ إِنَّا لَنَرَاهَا فِي ضَلَالٍ مُبِينٍ The women in the city were gossiping. They said that the wife of the minister, who, in whose house Yusuf was residing, تُرَاوِتُ فَتَاهَا عَنْ نَفْسِ she prefers this, this young youth who's, who's in her house. She's in love with him and so on. They started to gossip. They were talking. Now, if you look at the nature of their talk, there is nothing more than just talking and sharing information. They like to share information. Even if you look at what Zulaikha did. Zulaikha to prove how much she loved uh, uh, Yusuf salam, she went ahead and she, she in the end when it came to her proving by, by them cutting their hands and it's a famous story they cut their hands they saw the beauty of Yusuf salam, she says after that fi, O women this is, the, this is the person whom you have blamed me regarding this person you blame me this is the person uh, I've tried to seduce him he's He's uh, held his position, he's, he's become chaste, but if he does not do what I say, then I will imprison him. Now, if you look at the, the nature and the nature of the women here, first they're astonished with something, they gossip about something, they don't want a solution, and the woman who has the solution, or who's looking for a solution, is something which is very egotistic, very sort of attached to her own nerves and her own desires. And this is the very thing which the Prophet ﷺ was talking about when he, quoted, when he said a hadith which is reported in Bukhari. There were women in front of him and now this is not a general, it's not a hadith which is generalized for all women. This is a hadith for only specific women of this nature. And when I say all of this, I don't, when, I, when I mention women in my talk here, please do not generalize it, do not say it's all women. And when I say men, it's not all men, because you do get some men who sit around, who want to gossip, who are not looking for solutions. You do get some women who want solutions. But this is generally talking about women and generally talking about men. The Prophet ﷺ said to women, one, one, of, in one of the days he was talking to women, he said, Ya ma'ashara nisa tasaddaqna. So the old women, give a lot of sadaqah, give a lot of charity. Because I have been shown by Allah that you will, you will become, uh, you will form a lot of the people in hellfire. They say there will be a lot of women in hellfire. And they said, Lima ya Rasulullah, why are you a messenger of Allah? And then the Prophet answered by saying, al-ashir wa al-ihsan. For few reasons. One reason is that they, they, are ungrateful to their husband, husbands, and they are ungrateful to any good that is given from their husbands, and so on. لو أحسنت إلى إحداهن الدهر If if one of you men, basically this was another hadith where the Prophet was talking to men, he said, if one of you was to uh, 
be good to them and be kind to them for a long time. And after that, if there was something small okay, and insignificant or something which you've done wrong against your wife, then she will say straight away without thinking, she will say, I've never seen. Basically, there's a lot of generalization in their talks. I've never ever seen any good come from you, she will say to her husband and so on. But this hadith shows that general, generally women have this. I'm not, again, I'm not saying it's all women. It's, it's a lot of women that have this and you can find this in, in men also. So there's a difference in the nature and if people can understand the psychology behind how men think and how women think, we can, we can stop a lot of arguing. When men are told to do something, they feel they're being bossed around. They feel that, and it gets on their nerves. When women advise and tell the husband to do something, they are saying it out of affection. They're saying out of love. They're saying out because they are out of having uh, kindness for their husband. They don't really mean to boss around. They don't really mean to tell her. It's, it's naturally in the fitrah and in the nature of men. As soon as a woman will say, do this, or have you done this? Have you checked the bills? Have you done this? Have you done that? Straight away, a man becomes defensive because he's fee- he feels that, look, this is my kingdom, I'm the king here, you don't tell me what, what to do. Okay? Her nature is different, she's just trying to do things because uh, women naturally, they have a lot of emotions. And because they have, they, they are, I'm not, again I'm not saying it's all women, it's a lot, you know, generally in women there are more emotion, um, emotions that take place when they make decisions, and this is, I'm saying from uh, recent research that has taken place in America, from uh, top academies, uh, psychological academies in America, 65% of men generally, it's around 65 to 70% of men, uh, are more thinkers than feelers, meaning that they, they generally they, w- they will uh, first think from the head, rationally think, and then make a decision. 65 to 70% of women, on the other hand, they generally, when it comes to decisions, they use their emotions, they use their heart when it comes to making decisions. That's why, and Allah has made it like this, because this is what we need. We need someone, we need a man in the house who, who is a bit you know, strict and he has, you know, he puts his foot down. And we need a woman who's affectionate and who shows her love. And if you get the balance between the two, then Alhamdulillah you've got a happy family because the child or the children that will grow up, they need an affectionate mother. At the same time, they need to be disciplined by their father. Not that the mother will not ever discipline. Yes, her role is to discipline as well. And not that the father will never show affection. No, he will show affection as well. But generally, there's more of affection in women than in men. Okay, when men have a problem, they normally isolate themselves. When women have a problem, uh, they like to talk about it. Okay? And this goes back to the sunnah of the Prophet If you look at the nature of the Prophet what did the Prophet first do when he saw the people of Makkah, in Makkah, what they were doing? The Prophet went to the cave. His first sunnah was that he isolated himself. Why? Because he was too busy looking for the solution. He wanted a solution for the people of Makkah. This is a sunnah of the Prophet but it shows how men are. And men don't, today they don't have to go in a cave, but what they normally do is, if there's a problem in the house, a man will just pick his newspaper up, he'll switch on the television, he'll watch a movie, he'll go out, he'll go out somewhere else, to move away from 
general distractions in his house so that he can think, he wants to contemplate. When a woman on the other hand, she has a problem, they normally want to talk. If you look at the Prophet's house, when his own wives, they had a problem, straight away the first thing they would do is they would talk to the Prophet So the nature of men again is to isolate themselves. The nature of women, if you look at the women of Medina, they would normally come and talk to someone, for instance Abu Salama uh, and Umm Salama, there's a hadith of Bukhari, um, Umm Salama was, was a woman who, uh, her husband was doing too much ibadah, and Salman anhu came to visit them, and straight away she told uh, Salman radiallahu anhu that look at your brother Abu Salama, uh, he, he, has no, he has no concern for me, he has no concern for the house and so on. So she, she, she complained. But if you look at their nature, it says a problem, a woman will, will start to talk whereas a man will isolate himself. Now while a man isolates himself, he wants to be isolated. The women have to understand that they need to leave men alone at this time. When women have a problem, men need to understand that they need to talk to them, they need to listen to them. Like Allah says in the Holy Quran, Allah, the first thing, Allah has heard their problem. And men make a lot of mistake in when a woman or when their wife comes with a, with a problem, Say, okay, do this A, B, C. Finish. And then she goes on and on talking and she Well, I told you A, B or C. It's a problem. Have you, have you done what I told you? She said, well, well, you know, there's another problem. And what she wants to do, she wants to be heard. She wants to be understood. She wants someone to sympathize with her. Whereas a man, he wants to get straight to the solution. If he's got a solution, go ahead. And, and apply it. Another thing a man doesn't like is unsolicited uh, advice. He doesn't want to be told what to do unless he asks for it. Whereas a woman doesn't mind if she gets that. Another one is that a man argues sometimes to free himself. A woman argues sometimes to be understood. Again, it's to do with emotions and again, it's to do with being heard and being uh, affectionate. If you don't comfort a woman when she's under stress or when she needs to be heard, then there can be problems in a marriage. At the same time, if a man is not left alone sometimes, or a man is continuously, in his own words, nagged at or pestered and so on, in his words, then there can be problems in the marriage. Um, just one or couple of, two, two, two or three other things I just want to say before I go to the second uh, part. Um, with regarding money, um, there can be I think I must have mentioned something in the previous talk, so I just want to mention it again. With money as well, if both of the husband and wife, if they both can have an understanding and a sharing understanding between themselves, that they will, that the money that they earn is for the best of their own future and for their children, and they share the money, there will, there will be less problems in the society. And unfortunately, the divorce rate of Muslims is going higher. Unfortunately, the divorce rate of Britain for the non-Muslims is one marriage out of three marriages, it ends up in a divorce. It's 33% or 35% for non-Muslims in Britain. But with Muslims, I think what happens a lot of the times is that it goes unheard. Um, either the divorce is pronounced or there's a lot of problems and it goes unheard. Um, what Allah says in the, in the Holy Quran is that um, if there are problems, one advice Allah gives, um, he, he says in Surah Al-Baqarah, which is the second uh, surah of the Holy Quran, verse number 231. Allah says, Specifically saying to men that do not hold women and restrain them in your marriage um, by causing them harm 
and you, by doing this you go uh, you go beyond extremes meaning that don't hold them back and you don't you don't let them have a good marriage by keeping them and you don't let them go and have another husband by releasing them but you just keep them there just to uh, give them a hard time allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he he condemns uh, this act and another part of the holy quran in surah nisa uh, surah uh, nisa this is the fourth surah of the holy quran verse number 34 allah says that it, at any stage if your women begin begin to obey you and this goes again not just for women just for men as well fa'in ata'nakum fala tabghu alayhinna sabila if there are any difficulties in marriage and at any point the man or the woman they, they go back and they and they obedient again allah says la tabghu alayhinna sabila don't look for a way at taunting them to taunt them. say remember that time you did this you know like it's been four months they've never they haven't disobeyed you or it's been four months things have been okay or five months and then you suddenly say remember that and to dig in the past and say remember when you said that to me and to open old wounds it's a very nasty thing to do and generally we should we should stay away from this okay if i go to the second part um, of the talk now which is parents rights in islam and then we'll focus on the children's rights uh, today and we'll carry on uh, for the last session next month generally about parents rights parents are the only people that Allah has placed next to his name in the Quran and there's a very significant thing nowhere else in the Quran you will find this in surah banu israil 17 surah of the holy quran verse number 23 Allah says wa qada rabbuka alla ta'budu illa iyyahu wa bil walidayni ihsana Allah has declared and he has made it afsafard he has made it compulsory that you do not worship anyone except for him and then straight after that he says and be kind to your parents wa bil walidayn ihsana imma yablughanna 'indaka al-kibar ahaduhuma aw kilahuma if any one of them while you still alive they reach old old age or if both of them reach old age fala taqul lahuma uff don't even say anything to the extent of uff ah don't even say that to them don't even say if you can't say this then anything above that you can't say you can't raise your voice in the front of them shout at them uh, disobey them and that that come beyond limits allah says don't even say ah oh. not even that expression just showing that you're upset with them allah says don't go to that extreme wala tanharuma wa qul lahum qawlan karima don't rebuke them and use good words noble words when you speak to them waqfid lahuma janaha dhul min ar-rahma put down your arms in front of them out of humility being humble in front of them out of mercy and pity over your parents why because you should say waqur rabbi rahamhuma kama rabbiyani saghir and say oh allah have mercy on my parents just as they nurtured me while i was young we can never pay our parents back no matter what we do they've done too much the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam says in one hadith raghima anf thumma raghima anf thumma raghima anf prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said may that person's nose rub in the dust may his nose rub in the dust may his nose rub in the dust this was an expression in arabic is like saying let him be perished let him be perished and so on in english so his sahaba said ya man man huwa ya rasulullah he said who who a messenger of allah the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam then said man adraka abawayhi 'inda al-kibar ahaduhuma aw kilayhuma falam yadkhul jannah 
whoever has found any of his parents, whether it's one or both of them, in old, at, in old age he has, he has had the opportunity to be with them and he has not entered paradise because of that, let, he will not, uh, if, if he has not, um, if he's found them and he has not entered paradise because of this, let his nose rub in the dust. There are various hadiths to, uh, of the elevation of father and mother. In another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ says to one sahabi who came to him and said, Messenger of Allah, Man ahaqqu bi suhbati ya Rasulullah. He said, Who is most deserving that they, they be in my companionship, O Messenger of Allah? They be with me. The Prophet ﷺ said, Ummak, your mother. She is most deserving that she bees with you. Then he said, Thumma man, who comes next? The Prophet ﷺ said, Ummak, your mother. Then he said, Summa who comes next? The Prophet then said again, third time, Ummak, your mother. Then he said, who comes next? The Prophet then said, your father. This is Sahih Hadith of Bukhari. So you can see, within the parents, the Prophet has given a higher status to the mother in terms of being, uh, in terms of obedience, in terms of not saying anything to them. And please, I, I need to point out to one thing, especially in Britain over here. Um, Many of our parents come from countries, they haven't had the opportunity uh, maybe of an education, maybe they have had an opportunity of education, maybe it's not to our level, maybe the youth over here find that they are more, you know, they, they can compete with, with their parents when it comes to uh, education, but they can compete with them when it comes to skills and so on. The reason of this, the reason for this is because Allah has given you as youth the opportunity to learn more, to come to such a country, to have education from the age of 4 to the age of 16 or to the age of 18 or to the age of 24. So basically you've ended up with 20 years of education. Whereas your parents, most probably they had a hard life, maybe they went through war, maybe they couldn't learn because of that, maybe they had to work uh, at, at, at an early age. And because of that they couldn't go to school, like you. If they had the same opportunity, they would have shown you the, showed you the, the same uh, of what, you can, what you're showing them today. But they, they couldn't. And because of that, you know, you have to excuse parents. Maybe they're not as intelligent as you. And I find that in Britain when I've, when I've dealt with a lot of uh, family problems, with parents and children, I found that a lot of the time there is no tolerance, there's no sabr, there's no understanding from the child with the parents. And because of this, they sort of fall out or they get, get into an argument. Now what then happens is that a feud starts. Child says something to his parents and parents say, What? I am his parent? And he says this to me and then it carries on, carries on, carries on, carries on until, you know, the disasters can take place. Either the child walks away from the home or he doesn't want to know his parents and so on. It comes to that stage. Now there needs to be understand, understanding on both sides. Children need to understand first. Okay, because it's their parents. They were young and no matter how old you become, you're always a child. You never grow out of that. Even if you're 40 years old, you're still a child to your parents. Because it's, it's nature of people. They, they've seen you when you were small, you could fit in their, in their hands. Or just, they could hold you with one hand. That's how small you were. And now you've grown maybe taller than them. It doesn't give you the right to raise your voice. It doesn't give you the right to talk against them. If even you have something Islamic, and they don't understand. Or they're not willing to listen to you. Listen to what the Quran says. The Quran says, this is in Surah Luqman, uh, the 31st chapter of the Holy Quran. Allah says, if your parents are Hindus, 
If your parents are mushriks, if your parents associate partners with me, if they've gone to the worst of what anyone can get, this is the worst. Even if they, whether they follow a group and you're not happy with them, or whether they, they, you know, they, they're arguing because of some, some reason, they don't want to agree with you, they don't want to let you go out you with your friends or whatever. This is nothing in comparison with shirk. Because shirk, uh, assigning partners with Allah, associate partners with Allah, Allah says this is the worst thing. I can forgive anything, but I will not forgive associating partners with me. This Allah says in the Holy Quran, in Surah Nisa, ch- uh, chapter number 4, verse number 116. But here in the Quran, chapter 31, verse number 15, Allah says, وَإِن جَاهَدَاكَ عَلَىٰ أَن تُشْتِكَ بِي If your parents strive, they, they are people who are da'is in their own religion. They are Hindus or they are something else, and they try to make you a mushrik. They try to make you assign partners with me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَا تُطِعُهُمَا Don't obey them. وَصَاحِبُهُمَا فِي الدُّنِيمَا But you still have to stay with them in good companionship. Now these are Hindus. Your parents are Hindus. They're trying to convert you to Hinduism. Or they're mushriks, polytheists of any kind. They're trying to convert you. They're saying that there's many gods. There are many gods. They're trying to, and Allah says, look, don't listen to them, but be good to them. Stay with them. Sahib. Sahib means remain in the companionship. Ma'rufa means in a good manner, in a good way. Now if Allah can say this about shirk, what about if your parents are not agreeing to you because you want to do something else? Okay, if you're at, if, if there's something which you feel that you have a right and your parents are not giving you the right, then I suggest that you go and see a local imam. Uh, or you see a mufti and you, you place your, you know, you, you see them. A lot of people have come to me, I've, I've, I've either told them that your parents are right, or either I've gone to the parents and said, look, this is his right, go ahead, you know, give him the chance to do this, his right, this is Islam and so on. And sometimes they, they go along, sometimes they don't. We try and find another solution. But in any case, please don't take the sharia in your hand and try and deal with it. On the other hand, I have to say about parents, you, there's a price to pay of being in this country. I know we've all had, we all are having, whether we realize it or not, a wonderful time in this country where you're away from the burdens of your own country, whether it's heat, whether it's poor people, whether it's uh, you know, derelict buildings and so on. When you're in this country, there's a price to pay. The price to pay in this country is, you have to understand as parents that your children are not children who are going to be on your level. You prob- you're probably from Egypt or you're pro- probably from Pakistan. Your children are not going to have the same mentality because they never had the same upbringing. Your children are going to be a mixture of the two. They're going to be half of being their men- your mentality because you've imposed the culture on them. And they're going to be the other half because they- they've got their own culture in this country. And you've got to understand that and you've got to realize that and you've got to Parents have to give in sometimes, not, not to say that they give up the, you know, religious ideas or religious uh, laws, but there, have, there has to be more understanding between the two. So in the Quran you find there's a lot of uh, laws Allah has laid down. Again and again Allah said to be respectful to parents, not to say anything, but not to raise your voice and so on. Uh, and I will quote to you some ahadith which will show how the Prophet ﷺ has emphasized. Sometimes, if a child gets to that stage where he's arguing with his parents, most probably it is, it is because the parents have neglected the child in a good upbringing when he was small. I have 
seldom seen, I've hardly seen a family where the parents have taken every care in bringing their children. Not uh, two things, okay? They haven't spoiled their children on one side and they haven't been too strict on the other side. Any family I've seen so far who haven't spoiled their children with too many gifts and be, you know, giving them whatever they want or on the other hand being too strict and not you know, restraining them from friends, too many... You know, again, with friends, Please, I'm not making a general statement here. Sometimes, some, you know, if your parents see a friend and they don't want you to go with that, that, that particular friend, there will most probably be a good reason why they're saying that. Because they've had a life of 30-40 years, they've seen and they've been through all of this and they're trying to save you from corruption. And you might say, well, why can't I just do what I want? Well, you might make a mistake in the sense that if, if you go ahead and your father's made the mistake, so why repeat the mistake again? Your father's trying to stop you from the mistake. So, um, there needs to be an understanding and any family I've seen where they haven't spoiled the child and they haven't been too strict with the child, you find that um, in that family the children are respectful to their parents. They have respect for their parents. Any family I've seen, either they've spoiled them or they've been too strict with them, the child either don't want to know their parents or they feel that they can control their parents. Okay, now I'm going to go to the third part uh, of the talk which is, I'm going to start now, children's rights. I want to focus on general ahadith, how the Prophet ﷺ dealt with the youth. And there's a lot of understanding here, first in the sides that parents can learn and secondly, um, children uh, can also learn of what is expected, even if you didn't have parents like this, it doesn't mean that you go home now and you taunt your parents or you say, Father, did you hear this? There's a hadith, there's a hadith, there's a hadith, you didn't give me any of this, so, you know, goodbye or whatever, I don't want to know you as a, as a father anymore. I mean, look, if, if you haven't had the opportunity, I'm sure that parents would be most sorrowful if they know that there are hadith like this existing and that they should have treated their, their, their children differently. Or, if you're a parent, don't go home and say, did you hear what the Mawlana said today? You know, I'm taking my stick out today, I'm going to teach you a few more lessons today. Did you hear? Blah, blah, blah. I've got another hadith now, another hadith. I mean, if you go to that, if you have children who haven't listened to you, now there has to be forgive and, and to forget and to start all over again. Give a chance to, to start again. Um, the first hadith I want to quote to you is of... Hassan and Hussein radiallahu anhumah The Prophet did not have the opportunity to bring up his own sons. He had Ibrahim radiallahu anhu who died at early age. And if you look at the way the Prophet used to treat him subhanallah. He would go and he, he kept Ibrahim salam with a blacksmith who used to look after his, his son. And the Prophet would have frequently go and visit his son. He would pick him up, he would kiss him, he would cuddle him, he would put him down. Uh, this was the sunnah of the Prophet and, and the day when he died, the Prophet had tears flowing from his eyes and his sahabi said, the, the companion said, Messenger of Allah, you are crying? What is this? And the Prophet said, Inna la'ayna tadma' The eye sheds tears qalbu yahzam The heart grieves Wala naqulu bima la yardallah But we will never ever say anything which, which is against the will of Allah. We can cry, we can grieve, that's in, that's, Allah has allowed that. But to say something with your tongue, why did Allah do this, or why could it, why did it happen to me, that is not 
that, that is uh, not allowed to do, that is haram to do. So we find the affection the Prophet had with children. I mean, he, he was, when he was with children, he would drop himself to their level. He would drop himself to their level. When he was with men, he would be as men. He would be a king in front of men. When he was with children, he would be the most affectionate with, with children. The hadith is narrated by Abu Hurair radiallahu anhu. This is uh, narrated in Hakim. Um, the Sahaba say, "Kunna nusalli ma Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam Isha." We used to pray with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam Isha. This is Jama'ah prayers. فَكَانَ يُصَلِّي Prophet would pray. فَإِذَا سَجَدَ When he would go into sajda, وَثَبَ الْحَسَنُ وَالْحُسَيْنُ عَلَى ظَهْرِهِ Hassan and Hussein would jump on his back. The words used is not to crawl on his back, but وَثَبَ means to jump. They would jump on his back. وَإِذَا رَفَعَ رَأْسَهُ أَخَذَهُمَا فَوَضَعُمَا وَضْعًا رَفِيقًا And when the Prophet would get it from sajda, he would gently carry them, put them down gently and then get up from sajda. This is the Prophet leading about, this is our Prophet. Now we've got mosques in our time, children come even run about, you find men shouting, now whose children are these? Take them out of the mosque, Your children shouldn't come when they're young and so on. This is Hassan and Hussein radiallahu anhu. These are Sahabas. Okay? And this is the Prophet you can't get religion from anyone else. And he's gently putting them down. فَإِذَا عَادَ عَادَ When he would go back to Sajjah, they would jump back on his back. فَلَمَّا صَلَّى When he finished, جَعَلَ وَاحِدًا هَاهُنَا وَوَاحِدًا هَاهُنَا When he finished, he would put one on this side and one on that side. فَجِئْتُهُ فَقُلْتُ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ I came, Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu says, I came to him after the prayer. I said to him, Messenger of Allah, أَلَا أَذْهَبُ بِهِمَا إِلَىٰ أُمِّهِمَا I said, should I take both of these to their mother? The Prophet said, no. La. فَبَرَقَةً فَقَالَ إِلْحَقَى بِأُمِّكُمَ Then after a while he would then say or take them to their mother. But he would not immediately let them down because he used to uh, love them. See the affection of the Prophet ﷺ. In another hadith uh, of Bukhari this time, uh, and Muslim, Abu Sulaiman Malik ibn Huwaylith radiallahu anhu says that we came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam atayna rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa nahnu shababa mutaqaribun we were youth in his time we came to him and our age was more or less the same faaqamna indahu ishtina layla we stayed in the mosque for 20 nights and these are youths who are staying in the mosque for 20 nights not one night and today uh, we've got a problem I- here in Britain where youths go out to clubs and so on. Now we need to find them a socializing place at the mosque. And this is the, the Masjid Nabawi where these twenty awaya they come. They said, وَكَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ وسلم رَحِيمًا رَفِيقًا The Prophet ﷺ was most beloved and he was most affectionate. فَظَنَّ أَنَّا قَدْ اشْتَقْنَا أَهْلَنَا He soon felt that maybe we are missing our families. So فَتَعَلَنَا He asked us about what we had left. Or our families, so we told him about it, and then he said, "Irji'u ila ahlikum, return to your families. Fa'aqimu fihim, stay with them. Wa'allimuhum, teach them. Wa'barruhum, and be good to them. Wa'sallu wa kaza fi hini kaza. 
pray at this time and at this time. فَإِذَا حَضَرَتِ الصَّلَاةِ when, when the time of prayer comes, فَلْيُؤَذِّنَ أَحَدُكُمْ One of you should give the adhan. وَلْيَأُمُّكُمْ أَكْبَرُكُمْ And the, the, the eldest amongst you should lead the prayers. Now he taught them in 20 nights how to pray. They watched them how to do tahajjud and so on according to another narration. But you can see he kept them in the mosque for 20 nights as long as he felt it was okay and he had permission from their, from their parents. The next hadith uh, is of the Prophet ﷺ in particular telling one of his uh, companions, Mu'adh um, radiallahu anhu, when he, uh, when he prayed uh, with people, the Prophet uh, and what he did is he lengthened the surah. The Prophet ﷺ said to him, and he made a general statement as well at another time. This is a hadith of Bukhari and of Muslim. The Prophet ﷺ said, فَإِيُّكُمْ أَمَّا النَّاسِ فَالْيُوجِزِ Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّ مِنْكُمْ مُنَفِّرِينَ There are certain people of you who are making people run away from Islam. The Prophet ﷺ said, when one of you leads people in prayer, he should keep it short because behind him are the elderly, the young, or the, the children, and the haja people who have got uh, who are occupied with work and so on. So again, he took consideration of the people who are weak or children in particular. The, the next one I want to quote to you is of an ayah of the Holy Quran. If you look in, in Surah Kahf, you find with Khidr and Musa salam, they traveled along and the third place they came to was a wall and Khidr salam, built the wall, he mended the wall and Musa salam, reprimanded him by saying that you could have at least asked the people of the uh, town for something in return. Why did you mend the wall without getting something in return? Khidr then said to Musa, uh, Musa that I did this because there was treasure buried underneath the wall and I was waiting for uh, this treasure belonged to the father of these two children who are orphans in the city and he left it for his children had the wall fallen over the people of the city would have taken the treasures so I mended the wall through the hukum of Allah and that when these children they grow up they will, be, they will find the treasure now some ulama have pointed out that if the, if the uh, parents are pious then Allah will look after your children even after your death. Even after your death, Allah will look after them, after them in mysterious ways. So it's something uh, which will pass on from one uh, generation to, uh, to another. Um, if I quickly move on to the next one. Sometimes what we do is we tell a child that we tell a child, come here, small child. We say, come here, I'll give you something. And our intention is to get the child, to pick him up, to put him on our lap, and to cut him somewhere. And we know that if we don't tempt him with something, he won't come. Now, if you do do this, the Prophet has said, you must give him whatever you promised. A lot of us don't do this. There's a hadith of Ahmad, the Prophet has said, مَنْ قَالَ لِصَبِيٍّ تَعَالَ هَاكْ ثُمَّ لَمْ يُعْطِي فَهِيَ كِذْبَةً Whoever says to a child, come here, I'll give you something, and then you don't give it to him, this is a lie. And you're teaching a child how to lie. And some of these things, unfortunately, they're passed from one generation to another. And when that child grows up, he'll do the same thing, or he'll do it in a different way, which will then corrupt the society further. Another uh, one I want to quote to you is, the Prophet ﷺ, what he would do is he would look for opportunities. How to tell children? See, if you look at business today, when people go about with business, it's not 
it's not whether you've got the ability to talk to a customer and to sell something. A lot of the time it, times it lies in how you present yourself and what words you select and what time you select and how you say it to him. The same rules apply to da'wah. When you're calling someone to the religion or when, you're being, when you want to give them uh, some, some advice or something, the Prophet ﷺ would choose his times. The Prophet ﷺ would then choose his, the appropriate time and the appropriate manner. In one hadith of Muslim, uh, we see Abdullah ibn Jafar anhu. He says that I was behind the Prophet ﷺ mounted on, on an, uh, a means of journey. The Prophet ﷺ said to me a, a hadith secretly. لا أحدث به أحدا من الناس. And he said to me, don't say this hadith to anyone else. The Prophet used that manner. وكان أحب ما استطر به رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لحاجتي هدف أو حائش نخل. And you can see that children they like to be told secrets sometimes. So he would he would take up the opportunity to tell a boy. I mean he might say the same hadith to others, but he'll say it to a child in such a way that the child will feel well this is special for me. And not for anyone else, so he'd be affected by it. Another time he had, now this is the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He has this is a hadith of Bukhari and Muslim. So, so, um, this first I'll quote to you a hadith of uh, Bukhari. He had um, Umar ibn Abi Salama radiyallahu anhuma, and he sat with him. They used to sit in those days with large um, plates. They didn't have plates like that. They used to have large bowls or trays. Um, what we would call trays today, and they would all eat together. Sometimes a family of ten would eat from one qasra, which would be a large uh, tray. When they were eating, while they were eating now, you look at the difference of how our parents in our days, they discipline their children, and how the Prophet ﷺ discipline the children in, in his time. If you see a child, he's not eating properly, normally, children, normally parents they will say, hey, don't eat like that. My child, don't eat like that. Eat like this. So the first they start with the negative. Then they start with the positive. Or they might just stay with the negative. Don't do that. Don't, don't. And there are a lot of don'ts that we have. Whereas if you look at all the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu I've, I don't think I've come across a hadith, to be honest with you, where the Prophet starts with the negative, or he just gives the negative. The Prophet here, he says that, uh, the, the Umar ibn Abu Salama says, I was eating with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi And my hand was going all over the place, you know, the child was looking for all the best bits. Uh, to eat. So his hand was going all over the place. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Ya Ghulam, O child, Sammillaha ta'ala, say Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, wa kul biyameeni, eat with your right hand, wa kul mimma yalik, and eat what is next to you. Now the, the main part which the Prophet ﷺ wanted to say to the child was, eat what is close to you. But the Prophet ﷺ didn't start with that. He, he possibly had all the child possibly said Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. But with hikmah, he didn't want to embarrass the child in front of all the other guests. So the Prophet first said, Oh child, say Bismillah. So, the, so straight away the, the guest will think, Oh maybe the child forgot to say Bismillah. Second thing he said, Eat with the right hand. And most probably the child was already eating with his right hand. But then he said, Eat what is most close to you. So he gave his real the real message he wanted to give, them, give him. He gave it at the end, but he made sure that the child wasn't embarrassed um, for that. Uh, another hadith we have in Bukhari where the Prophet ﷺ had a Yahudi, he had a Jew that was serving him. 
the hadith of Bukhari. He never ever gave this Jew da'wah. Never gave him da'wah. Until one day the Jew became ill. When he was ill, his father was there. And again look at the hikmah of the father. The, uh, the hikmah of the Prophet The Prophet could have given da'wah. He could have asked this Yahudi or this Jew to become Muslim straight away. At any point. But he knew if he did that, maybe he would go home and his father would be upset and his father would then try and revert him back to Judaism. And, and maybe the father would think, who is this man who is trying to do something to my son when he hasn't even got my permission. So the Prophet sought the chance. One, the child was ill. When he was ill, the Prophet went to see him. When he saw him, his father was there. The Prophet then took up the opportunity to give him da'wah. He said, oh child, why don't you accept Islam? Right in front of his father. And the child accepted Islam. Because he was young, he was weak, he was in the position he needed the affection of the Prophet And before this, the Prophet showed him his sunnah, he was close to him, he was affectionate to him, he showed him his manners, his akhlaq. So his manners preceded his da'wah, which is very important when we call others to Islam, or even our own children uh, towards uh, Islam, or to, for them to um, obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The next one I want to quote to you is if you look in a hadith um, this is a hadith of Bukhari Muslim again and this is a, a beautiful hadith normally what the sunnah of the Prophet was that if he ever had something and he was sharing it with his companions he would always start from the right that was his sunnah he used to like things starting from the right now here the Prophet was in a difficult position because he he was given a drink Prophet was given a drink he drank from it on his right was a small boy on his left were the elderly sahabas now he's in a difficult position if he gave to the child according to the right then these uh, elderly men would say oh, look the Prophet is degrading us and so on if he gave to the men then the boy might say, well, here goes the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ because of elderly men, and I don't get my right. So what the Prophet ﷺ did is, فَقَالَ لِلْغُلَامِ أَتَأْذَنُ لِي أَنْ أُعْطِيَهَا The Prophet ﷺ sought permission from a child. He said, do you give me permission that I may give the drink to these people here on my left? Now this, this is the Prophet subhanAllah, he's been so just. Look how just is, even with children. It's a hadith of Bukhari and Muslim. Now, everyone wants to drink straight after the Prophet ﷺ because his su'ur, or where the saliva of the Prophet ﷺ has touched, if anyone takes the saliva in of his own saliva, then the fire of hell is haram on them. So now the boy says, now this is the boy, now look, he knows his right, and he knows the Messenger ﷺ. فَقَالَ الْغُلَامْ لَا وَاللَّهِ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ لَا أُوثِرُ بِنَصِيبِ مِنْكَ أَحَدًا He said, never, O Messenger of Allah, I will not ever give anyone preference over your saliva to anyone else. And then the Prophet ﷺ, he gave it in the hand of the, of the boy, and the boy drank from after the Prophet ﷺ. But you can see the affection, you can see how he treated, you can see his justice, you can see he was never unfair to anyone, even if he was elderly or youngsters, he would not show that he, he was unjust to anyone. The next one I want to quote to you is 
If you look in the incidents of Taif, when the Prophet ﷺ went to Taif, he gave him da'wah, they threw stones at him, and then blood was flowing from his head to toe. A dua that he made was, right at the end when Jibreel said, Now I can crush these people between the two mountains. The Prophet's words were, Inni arju an min He said, I wish that Allah will bring out from the generation of these people, the next generation Allah will bring out people who will worship Allah. Now here there's a dua of the Prophet for the future generation. He's in blood and he's, he's covered with blood, but he still makes dua for the children that are coming ahead. Now one significant thing I need to say is, please, if your children do something wrong, never curse them, please. Never curse them, because your curse as a parent will go to the skies like an arrow without anything to stop it. The Prophet has mentioned that in the hadith of Tirmidhi. Three du'as are accepted straight away. One he said, Da'watul walid lil walad. When a father ever makes du'a for his child, it goes straight to the heavens and it's accepted without any hijab. There's no hijab, there's no barrier between it. So if you curse your child, if you say, uh, you know, sometimes we have in English or whether it's in Arabic, we say, you know, may Allah curse you, na'udhu billah, or like, may Allah do this to you, or may Allah ruin you, whatever, and why do you do this, and so on. If you curse a child, you're a parent, your du'as are accepted, and you should be careful that if it's in a moment, especially when your du'as, uh, Allah opens his doors to, to, for you to make du'a for your child, and you curse your child, that will be accepted straight away. So never in the, in the life of the Messenger sallallahu did the Prophet sallallahu ever rebuke them or ever say anything bad to them. Just as a reference, if you look in the Qur'an, Ya'qub for 80 years he cried for his son Yusuf. His children were the criminals who took him to the well and they placed him in the well. After 8 years, when he finally found Yusuf his sons came to him disgraced. His sons came to him with all the regret in their, in their hearts and they said to, said to him, Ya, ya Abana, istaghfil lana. He said, Oh, oh Father, please Seek forgiveness on our behalf. We've done something, you know, great, uh, a crime that is too great. And the Prophet, uh, and, and Prophet Yaqub, alayhi salam, he said, lakum. He said, I will soon ask forgiveness from, for, for you, on, on you, uh, your behalf, uh, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He did not rebuke them again. Sometimes people make mistakes that if they've learned the lesson, leave them. If they haven't learned the lesson, then maybe you need to say something uh, further. Another hadith I want to quote to you is the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is he's in the masjid and Aisha radiallahu anha she's watching by resting her chin on his shoulder she's watching through the veil into the mosque courtyard where some um, from Habashas from Abyssinia some uh, Muslims came, who they accepted Islam, and they were demonstrating a war dance. This is a hadith of Bukhari. When they, when they were doing this, Aisha radiallahu anha, she says, Her words are that I continue to rest my chin on the Prophet's shoulder, until I made him fed up. Basically, I, I got him to the stage where it was hurting him. But the Prophet did not say anything to her. Then she adds on by saying, this is a hadith of Bukhari Muslim, she says, Can you imagine qadr al-jariyatil hadithati sin? Can you imagine a young girl who, who has, who is very covetous, who, who really wants to look at a game? 
a war dance that is being demonstrated. Now here in the hadith you can see that she's referring to herself, that I was young, and because I was young, the Prophet understood this. And because he understood this, he let me, and he carried on. Okay, a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, uh, you find, he says to Umair, who is a companion, a small companion, he had a nightingale, and the nightingale flew away, the Prophet ﷺ said to him, Ya Aba Umair, O little Umair, what happened to your little nightingale? It was a nice way of saying, Ya Aba Umair, ma fa'ala nughayr. In Arabic it rhymes, and he was, he was not teasing him, but he was causing, he was showing affection towards, towards him. Another hadith, uh, which is Sahih hadith, is when the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, they are at war, they catch this youth, and they want to know how many people are at the Battle of Badr. They, the Prophet ﷺ is praying, they, they take hold of this uh, particular youth, and they start to beat him up. Uh, the, every time they, they beat him up, every time he tells them the truth, he says to them that, uh, I don't know, I don't know how many they are. They, be, they beat him. Every time he says, look, I'll tell you how many they are, they, they stop beating him. The Prophet ﷺ then turned, uh, his, his, his salam, he said, leave this child. Leave him alone. Every time he's telling you the truth, you beat him. Every time he's telling you the, a lie, you leave him alone. Then the Prophet ﷺ twisted his, the, the question. He said, Ya Ghulam, ma nahara al-qawm? He said, oh boy, how many camels did the, did the people slaughter when they were there? He said, bayna tis'a wa ashara. He said, maybe nine or ten. The Prophet ﷺ turned to his sahabas and said, the people who have come to fight us, they are either 900, between 900 and 1,000. How did the Prophet ﷺ know this? Because he knew that the Arab custom was that for every hundred people they would sacrifice one camel. So he asked a simple question to the boy, reversed the question, and he got his answer straight away, without beating him, without doing anything to the boy. Um, Umar radiallahu anhu, this is a uh, hadith of Umar radiallahu anhu, he, he was, he was brought, a uh, case was brought to him, um, where a, a father was complaining about his child. And then, uh, he listened to the father first, and then the child said to Umar radiallahu anhu, he said, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, said, O leader of the believers, مَا حَقُّ الْوَالِدِ عَلَىٰ أَبِيهِ He said, what is the right of a child over his parent? The, the Umar radiallahu anhu then replied by saying, أَنْ يُحْسِنَ إِسْمَ وَأَنْ يُحْسِنَ إِخْتِيَارَ أُمِّ وَأَنْ يُعَلِّمَهُ الْكِتَابِ He said, he should give him a good name, he should choose him a good mother, and he should teach him the book, meaning the, the Qur'an. He said, Ya Amir al-Mumin, the child said, O oh, 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 leader of the believers, Inna abi lam yafhal shay'an min dhalik. He said, my father hasn't done any of this. And then the Umar radiallahu anhu then said to him, uh, said to the father, Laqad aqaqta waladak qabla an ya'uqqaq. He said, you have neglected your child, and you, you are the one who has hurt his child before the child has hurt his father. We have a hadith where the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam praises a uh, praises Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhu who used to be a youth of the age of 14 or 15. He used to sleep in the masjid. There's a hadith of Bukhari. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when mentioning him, now look how the Prophet gets this child to wake up for tahajjud. He says behind his back, he says, "Ni'ma rajul Abdullah law kana yaqumul layl." He said, Abdullah ibn Umar is, is, a, is a great, great man. He says man, instead of saying child, he's a great man. If only he would, he would wake up uh, in the night for, for tahajjud, for qiyamul layl. And they say that after that night, Abdullah ibn Umar never missed tahajjud prayers.
after that. The Prophet sometimes would do mizah, he would, he would joke around. But when he's joking, he would not hurt anyone. Once he said to his companion, he said, Ya dal uzunayn. He said, Oh, you with two ears. He said, Oh, you with two ears. Now, if you look at the words, a person would, would suddenly think, With two ears? Well, am I an alien or something? But then you think, Well, yeah, I've got two ears, and so has everyone else got two ears. So the Prophet would use these words just to show affection and to, to bring. Now, one hadith I really want to quote. The Prophet sallallahu this is a hadith of Ibn Habban and it's a Sahih hadith and um, he's narrated in his Sahih book and it's a hadith with a good chain. And Abi Huray radiallahu anhu qal kana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam layudli'u lisana lil Hasan ibn Ali. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for Hassan, the son of Ali who was his grandson, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam out of affection and love he would stick out his tongue. He would stick out his tongue out of love. You know when a little child and he sees an adult sticking out his tongue? And then the Prophet, you know, according to another hadith, the Prophet said, According to another hadith, um, the Prophet would um, open his mouth and then the child would open his mouth and the Prophet would then touch his mouth with the, with the child's mouth. في لحيته حسن رضي الله عنه would then play around with the Prophet's beard ثم جعل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يفتح فاه he would open his mouth and then the child would open his mouth and the Prophet would say اللهم إني أحبه فأحبه وأحب من يحبه Oh Allah I love him so you love him as well and love whoever loves Hassan ibn Ali رضي الله عنه so you can see the affection here's a child playing with his beard he's opening his mouth he's, the child's opening his mouth he, they put the mouth to, towards it and the Prophet makes a dua for him look at the love the Prophet is creating with, with him if you look at the hadith we find that the Prophet once in his time he had a few children in front and he had three children in front of him and the Prophet said Man sabaqa ilayya falahu kadha wa kadha um, This is a hadith of, that Ahmad uh, he, has, and he has transmitted in his book He narrates from Abdullah ibn Harith radiallahu anhu says that the Prophet once lined up Abdullah, Ubaidullah and Kuthayd three of them and he, then the Prophet ﷺ said, "Man sabaqa ilayya falahu kada wa kada." Whoever can race towards me and whoever will win the race and come to me first, then I will give him such and such a gift. Fayastabiquna ilayhi, then they would run towards him. Fayakaruna ala zahrihi wa sadrihi, they would they would jump straight onto his chest. He ﷺ his chest. They would jump onto his back. Fayuqabbiluhum wa yaltazimuhum, and the Prophet ﷺ would kiss them and he would hug them. This is a hadith and you can see how he وسلم, as being a prophet who had the burden of teaching the entire ummah of our responsibilities you can see how he treated these children by saying to them that they should run towards him and he would give them a, a present and he would give them something as a gift another hadith I find out, and I want to quote this hadith to you so that you can derive from this hadith various uh, principles this is a hadith of a, as a principle so that you can, um, you, you can derive many lessons from this hadith. This hadith uh, of the Prophet ﷺ, he says, إِنَّ الرَّجُلَ لَيُحْرَمُ مِنَ الرِّزْقِ That a man is deprived from Allah's rizq, or Allah providing him, بِذَنْبٍ يُصِيبُهُ 
by committing a sin uh, because of a sin that he has committed a man then is, is, is uh, Allah deprives him of the rizq or the, or the providence or the, the provision that Allah can give a man and nothing can turn around or change the qadr or the fate of man except for dua now this is important why I'm, why I'm saying this is because the first part of the hadith Sometimes you, you find, well, why has this happened to me in terms of your family, in terms of your children, in terms of your wife or something? Why has something been taken out of, uh, from you in terms of your wealth or something? Well, it could be because of a sin. The second thing is, well, can you do something about it? Yes, you can. If you do dua, then you can change the fate that lies beyond you. And again, uh, why I've quoted this is because if you actually pray for your children and you do dua for them, it is more beneficial for them than to curse them and to say something against uh, th- their own future because uh, don't forget that a father's curse for a child is accepted uh, immediately and then the Prophet ﷺ says in the third part of the hadith وَلَا يَزِيدُ فِي الْعُمْرِ إِلَّا الْبَرْ nothing can increase nothing can increase a person's life except when a person does good uh, in his life, then this will increase his his uh, his own life. This has been narrated by Ibn Majah and also by Ibn Hibban uh, in his Sahih collection, um, and Hakim has also narrated this by saying that it is a Sahih hadith. Another hadith I want to narrate to you is actually this is a not a hadith but a saying of Imam Ghazali rahimahullah, and I think this is very important for us to uh, ponder. And a lot of what I'm saying, I would like you to reflect on what I'm saying because sometimes when I read this material I might read it once and I get one idea then I read it again and I see a deeper meaning and read it again you see a deep meaning Imam Ghazali rahimahullah this is a statement of his he says فَالصَّبِيُّ إِذَا أُهْمِلَ فِي ابْتِدَاءِ نُشُوئِهِ when a child is born and the child is at his early age then in his early development you will find خَرَجَ فِي الْأَغْلَبِ رَدِيءَ الْأَخْلَاقِ this child in his, in his early stage, he will be, uh, he will have characteristics that will be, that will be of bad characteristics. Kazaban, by nature a young boy or a child would want to lie. Hasudan, he will have jealousy. Saruqan, by nature he will steal. Namaman, he will, uh, he will cause, he will, he will cause one, one child or another child to fight amongst themselves. Ra fadulun, he will waste. وَضَّحِكِنْ He will laugh a lot. وَكِيَادٍ He will plot. إِنَّمَا يَحْفَظُ عَنْ جَمِيعِ ذَلِكَ بِحُسْنِ التَّأْذِيمِ One can only save the child from all these bad characteristics by nurturing the, the, the child in a good, by, by good nurture, by bringing him up correctly. So what Imam Ghazali recognized is that you're not given a child that is wonderful, brilliant. I mean, some, some parents do get a wonderful, brilliant child. And that, that's a ni'mah, that's a blessing. But some parents, and a lot of, lot, lot of parents, can end up with children. If you just leave the child alone, this is what he will turn out to be. Kazaban, hasudan, with jealousy, with hatred, with, by life. But if you then try and nurture that, that child in the early stage, then you will have a child that you can steer, you, 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 you can bring up according to how you desire. If you just leave the child, and you leave the child to seven, eight, or at a later age, you find that it's too late to do anything uh, at all by, uh, by that time. Some other hadith that 
I'd like to quote to you from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam again. Is that he's he's saying regarding the prayers. Now we know that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam says he, he has stated that when a child reaches the age of seven, then the child you, sh- you as a parent should order the child to pray. Muru awladakum bi salati idha balagu sab. Order your children to pray when they reach the age of seven. Wadribuhum wahum abnau ashd. If they reach the age of ten and they're still not praying, then you may use force. Now you can see that uh, I've talked about this before. I'm not going to go in depth with this, but I want to narrate another hadith that's related to this, where the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he states the the stage when you have to start teaching your children how to pray. I mean, seven is the stage when a child should already know how to pray and should start praying at that age. But the Prophet says in a hadith um, of Tabrani, he says, إِذَا عَرَفَ الْغُلَامُ يَمِينَهُ مِنْ شِمَالِهِ When a child knows the difference between his right hand and his left hand, then tell him to pray. Meaning start teaching him how to pray. When a child knows the difference between his right hand and his left hand. It shows that these, these uh, ahkam and the rulings should not be left till too late. Because if you leave it to too late, the child seeks independence or he has independence, it will be too late for you to then uh, order the child to pray and for him to listen to you. Another hadith um, I want to quote to you of the Prophet ﷺ is a hadith narrated by Muslim, uh, Imam Muslim rahimahullah, from Abu Hurair radiallahu anhu, that the Prophet ﷺ, kana yu- يؤتي بأول الثمر فيقول اللهم بارك لنا في مدينتنا وفي ثمارنا وفي مدنا وفي صاعنا بركة مع بركة ثم يعطيه أصغر من يحضره من البلدان The Prophet وسلم, he would take the first of the fruit of the season the first harvest of the fruit that will come of the season and the Prophet وسلم, would take it in his hands and he would say اللهم بارك لنا في مدينتنا أو الله bless us in our city وفي ثمارنا bless us in the fruits that you have provided وفي مدنا وفي صاعنا bless us in the in the uh, scales that we have of weighing the fruits بركة مع بركة blessings with with another blessing ثم يعطيه and then the Prophet ﷺ would give the fruit to the youngest child who would be present in that gathering. This was of the rahmah of the Prophet ﷺ, his mercy to the young ones around him. I mean, he could, he could have given this, this uh, fruit to anyone. Or maybe uh, consume the fruit himself first and then give it to someone else. But he would give it to the youngest one, showing again affection to the children uh, around him. The Prophet ﷺ, now this is a, another beautiful hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. Again, this is a, a hadith. Uh, narrated by Ibn Hibban and it's a it's Sahih hadith, it's an authentic hadith and also narrated by Nasa'i. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Rasulullah sallallahu The Prophet would visit the the Ansar, the the chul, or, or the, the helpers in Medina, those whom he migrated to. he would say Assalamu alaykum to the children. Now this is his sunnah. Many times parents wait for children to say the salam. But here the Prophet he he was the one. Kana he was the first one to say salam to anyone who would pass by. And it was difficult for the Sahabas to beat the Prophet ﷺ in saying salam to him first. And the Prophet ﷺ, one of his famous statements said, 
that al-badi'u bi-salami bari'u min al-kibr the one who starts to say salam first is acquitted or he's, he's far away from arrogance and the Prophet ﷺ, when he would say salam to the, to the Ansar he would pass his hands over their, their heads and he would just, just pass his hands over and the Ansar say, say in another hadith that when he would pass the hands over their heads they would smell his fragrance from his hands throughout the entire day and there was no fragrance like his, the fragrance coming from his hands uh, when, he would, when he would stroke or he would uh, touch them by the hair in another hadith we find the Prophet now this is for parents who want to um, relieve themselves or alleviate themselves from some distress on having lost uh, a child hadith narrated by Tirmidhi the Prophet says is by Abu Musa Al-Ashari radiallahu anhu he says that the Prophet said إِذَا مَاتَ وَلَدُ الْعَبْدِ قَالَ اللَّهُ لِمَلَائِكَتِهِ when a, a young child of one of the servants of Allah passes away Allah says to his angels قَبَضْتُمْ وَلَدَ عَبْدِ O my angels have you taken the soul of my uh, the, the soul uh, of a child of one of my servants فَيَقُولُونَ نَعَمْ the angels say yes فَيَقُولُ قَبَضْتُمْ ثَمْرَةَ فُؤَادِ you have taken, O oh angels, you have taken the, the fruit of his soul. So the angels say, yes we have. Allah then says, فَمَاذَا قَالَ عَبْدِي What did my servant say? The one, meaning the father. They say, حَمِدَكَ وَاسْتَرْجَعَ He said, the servant said, Alhamdulillah, meaning that I praise Allah for any condition that I am in. وَاسْتَرْجَعَ And he said, إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ فَيَقُولُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى Then Allah says, Ibnu li'abdi baytan fil jannah Prepare for my servant a house in paradise Wa sammuhu bayt alhamdi And name this house by bayt alhamdi The house of prayer in jannah So Allah prepares a house for a parent who might lose or bereave of a child in this world We have a, a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ Where he says وَفَارِقُوهُمْ فِي الْمَضَاجِعِ um, that when children reach the age of 10 in one family the boys and the girls should be separated even uh, children sleeping together they should be separated in the bedsides this is the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, at the age of 10 so that before they, they reach the age of puberty nothing of uh, the act of uh, the horrible act of incest um, should appear in the family and this is a, as, a, as a precaution from the Prophet ﷺ from an early stage now, I think I might have narrated this hadith to you before, but I found the hadith in the actual Arabic, and I just wanted to refer to this hadith and just go through this hadith with you quickly. Uh, there was a child who came to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, a young, not, not a child, but a young a boy who came to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he said, "Ya Rasulullah," he said, "O Messenger of Allah, then leave his zina. Give me permission to commit zina." This is a hadith of Ahmad and Tabrani. Uh, from Abu Umama radiallahu anhu فأقبل القوم عليه وزجروه the sahabas around they then reprimanded this, this, this boy and they said what are you doing you're asking the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa to commit zina they said mahma stop stop what are you doing the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, uh, the then said udnu bring him closer so he came he came close or he said to the child he said udnu come, come close the child came clo- close and then the Prophet ﷺ said, أَتُحِبُّهُ لِأُمِّكِ Would you love this for your mother? 
He said, La wallahi ya Rasulullah ja'alanillah fidaka. May my father and my mother be sacrificed for your sake, but I would never like this that anyone would commit that same act with my mother. The Prophet ﷺ then said, Well, people would not also like this for their own mothers. Meaning that you must remember that maybe that woman is a mother of someone. Then the Prophet ﷺ went again through the same, the same strategy, the same question over and over again by saying, Would you like this for your own daughter? He would say, No, I would not like this for my daughter. And same, same again, Wallahi Allah, my, may my father and my mother be a sacrifice for your sake, I would not like this. The Prophet ﷺ then said, People would not like this for their own daughters, meaning that this is a daughter of another man. Then he said, he said would you like this for your uh, sister? Then he said, would you like this for your uh, auntie? Would you like this for your khalatik, your paternal auntie, your maternal auntie? And then the Prophet ﷺ then placed his hand over the, the, uh, the child's hand, uh, over the child, and then he said, Allahumma fil lidhamba. Allah, Allahumma fil-dhamba, O oh Allah, forgive the sin of the child, wa tahir qalba, and purify his heart, wa hasin farja, and make safeguard his private part. And then the Prophet ﷺ, in the hadith he says that, that the child would be most far away from that act uh, which he sought uh, permission from the Prophet ﷺ. In a hadith we find the Prophet ﷺ says, this is a hadith of Tirmidhi, the best that a man can give as a gift to his own child is to give good khuluq and to give good character to his child. And the last hadith I want to quote to you from, the, from that of the Prophet ﷺ with children, um, again with, is with Hassan and Hussein radiallahu anhuma. And we find this is a hadith of Tabrani from Jabir radiallahu anhu. He said, uh, he says that, كُنَّا مَعَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ We were with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, فَدُعِينَا إِلَى الطَّعَامِ We were called to have some food. فَإِذَا الْحُسَيْنُ يَلْعَبُ فِي الطَّرِيقِ مَعَ سُبْيَانِ As we were going with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, Hussein رضي الله عنه, he was playing with some children in the, in the street. One of the streets of Medina. فَأَسْرَعَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ أَمَامَ الْقَوْمِ Now the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم hurried along the people who he was walking with, with the Sahabas, he hurried along when he saw Hussein radiallahu anhu. ثُمَّ بَسَطَ yada. Then the Prophet ﷺ stretched his arms out for Hussein radiallahu anhu. فَجَعَلَ يَفِرُّ But Hussein radiallahu anhu started to run, hiding from the Prophet ﷺ, running behind the other children from this side to that side. فَيُضَاحِكُهُ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ وسلم, And then the Prophet ﷺ was laughing and joking with um, Hussain radiallahu anhu trying to catch him until he caught him. فَجَعَلَ إِحْدَى يَدَيْهِ فِي ذُقْنِ The Prophet ﷺ placed one of his hands under his chin, under Hussain radiallahu anhu's chin. وَالْأُخْرَى بَيْنَ رَأْسِهِ وَأُذْنَيْهِ And the other one between his head and his, his ears. ثُمَّ عَتَنَقَهُ From behind. And then the Prophet ﷺ embraced him. وَقَبَّلَهُ And then he kissed him. ثُمَّ قَالَ And then he said, Hussain minni wa ana minhu. Hussain is of me. Uh, and I am of him. Man uh, may Allah love whoever loves them, meaning that whoever loves me and Hussein, or it means that whoever loves Hassan or and Hussein, radiallahu anhuma, sibtani min al asbab from the Prophet's grandchildren. Now you can see, would you ever expect a Prophet, or would you, would you ever have thought that the Prophet would do this, running towards the child? 
than chasing him while he's in front of his sahabas, while he's going to an invitation. He's got other children there, and then when he catches him, and he's laughing and joking with Hussain then he takes hold of him very gently, then kisses him and also makes a dua for him. And you can, even, you can see the, the uh, connection that the Prophet was trying to build with this child and with, uh, with other children in Medina. And you can see what extent the Prophet was going to, to show his affection and to his love. And we know from the Quran in chapter number 33, verse number 21, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا The Prophet is the best of examples for us. And when we say he is the best of examples, we mean that the Prophet can be, and he has come primarily that he, would, he will be imitated. He is not a prophet that we cannot uh, imitate, we can't follow because he's much higher than or uh, he's on a level we cannot reach. He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was on a level that anyone w- would be able to fo- follow his ways. But only the person who would desire Allah or the next life would want to follow the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Who, who, the person who remembers Allah plentifully would want to pro- uh, follow the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in this manner. Now we need to look at the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in this manner and think, well this was one sunnah. It doesn't mean that, well this is the only sunnah we can, we can follow. There are, you need to extrapolate or to, to take uh, a lot of meaning from these ahadith and say, well what's the next thing we can do with the child? If the Prophet did this with the Hussain where he chased him in the street and he was laughing, joking until he caught the child, what other extent can we go to, to show our affection and our love to a child?